worry is it's it's wild because it is living in a not yet that is worse than your now. You live in your mind, not yet. It hasn't happened yet, but you have made it worse than your now. It's worse than the present moment. <laughs> we love knowing and keeping secrets. It makes us feel loved. It makes us feel important. It makes us feel valued. But that is the best kept secret. We are loved by the creator of the universe. This season, we are coming together with some of the most beautiful queens that you will ever meet to unpack productivity tips from the Bible. If it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out, then queen, we've got some work to do. Let's get to it. Hey y'all, it's me Liv. Welcome back to another episode of The Best Kept Secret. I am so thankful that you are here. You know that I say it every single time we get together, but I mean it. I mean it, and I mean it even more today since this is our last podcast episode of this season. Yes, ladies, you knew it was coming. It is time for me to take a break to truly put into practice what we're going to talk about today and to just become refreshed so that we can return in August with a brand new season that truly prayerfully touches your heart. As you know, this entire season, we have been talking about productivity tips from the Bible. And that means that we are prioritizing the meaningful above the millions of things this world tells us we should be doing. I have a guest who is going to put the icing on the cake today, y'all. My goodness, Jeannie Stevens' book, What's Here Now, just came out last week. She's joining us today to talk about it. Y'all need to get this book, and I am going to be giving away a few copies. All you have to do is head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and make sure that you put your IG handle in the review. I will make sure that I get right back to you and get you a copy because trust me, after this conversation today, you are going to want this book. It was a blessing from the Lord in my life. And I can't believe that I got to read it for the podcast because y'all, it came at the exact perfect moment. As you know, I usually share a scripture before we enter into our time with our guest. And today, I just want to read Psalm 23 over us. I think it's going to help us settle in for the conversation that we are going to have. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is my prayer for you. And it is really going to help to set the tone for our conversation today. It's time to be restored. It's time to receive the present. Get ready for this conversation with my guest, my new friend, Jeannie Stevens. Y'all, this was definitely a gift from the Holy Spirit because from the moment I began to read it, I just realized, okay, Jesus, okay, <laughs> you are trying <laughs> to tell me something. <laughs> Jeannie Stevens is the founding and co-lead pastor of Soul City Church in Chicago, one of America's fastest growing urban churches. Prior to starting Soul City Church, Stevens was on the pastoral staff at Willow Creek Community Church and North Point Community Church. A sought after speaker, leader, and writer, Pastor Jeannie's passion is to help people wake up to their purpose as they pursue a life of wholehearted freedom. She lives in Chicago with her husband, Jared, and their two children. What's here now is now available. So let's go on and get into this conversation. Virginia, how are you? I live. It's so great to be with you. And I'm just so honored that you would invite me to be a part of your show and all of the beautiful things that you are doing in your life and through your ministry. So thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. We have some common points, family in Chicago. Chicago is one of my favorite places to visit. I was sharing everybody that when I was in college, we would head up to Chicago on the weekends. And uh, I love getting back there anytime I can. Giordano's Pizza, one of my favorite things to do and visit as soon as I get in. <laughs> yes, yes. We are known for our pizza and for our sports teams that never make it to the finals and our very cold winter. But other than that, we are a great, great city. It's a great city. It's such a great city. And I am so excited to have a church there to visit now. So yes, come and visit anytime. Absolutely. You know, as I was reading your book, there were so many things that really stuck out to me. You have written what's here now. And I just want to ask you, in your own words, why is this message important right now? You shared a story about how you and your husband went to a really chic restaurant and you were surprised that the bathroom was every bit as busy as the dining room had been as girls gathered to take selfies. And you overheard a conversation. And that conversation was of someone checking in on a friend seat. Are, are you okay? And when she asked why her friend was asking if she was okay, her friend responded, well, you haven't posted on social in some days. <laughs> and so I want to ask you, why is this message important, especially in our social media driven, productivity driven culture? Yeah. Yeah. I love that question. And, you know, I think for so many of us live, we have this sense that we're, we're here, but not all the way here. Like you think back to when we were in school, right. And that 
and the teacher would start the class with taking attendance and we'd go through and, and list off everybody's name, you know, and they would say, is Liv here, you know, and, and you would respond and say, I'm here, I'm present. And I think that it's such a funny way that we would, would answer that. We would say, I'm here and I'm present. And yet so many of us were not really here. We're living in kind of doctored up social media filled with filter worlds and the real authentic self is very rarely fully here. And the, the funny thing is, is we also live in a culture that is obsessed with being somewhere else, right? We now have this thing called FOMO, which is essentially that there is a there that is better than you are here. And we struggle with living in the present moment. And our devices are one of the fastest ways that cause us to, to leave the present moment, to be distracted with something that's going on somewhere else, of thinking we need to be a someone that we are not, that we need to project an image, that we need to portray something or, or be something that we are not. And I started to realize in my own life that if I wasn't here, I needed to start paying attention to where am I going? And what I realized is that many of us, when we're not fully here, when we're not fully present, and, and the reason the present is so important is because it's the place where God lives. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but the presence of God can only be experienced in the present. And so if we're not here in the present, then we have to start to pay attention to where are we? And what I found in my life is that I, I was often rehashing the past. I was thinking about things that had already happened. Think, I was trying to change things that couldn't be changed, right? Or I was rehearsing the future, trying to control things that were outside of my control. And God always only calls us to be in the here and the now. And it's so funny, you know, that, that we used to start our classes by saying, I'm here, I'm present. And I almost get this sense of God regularly lovingly saying to his children, like, are you here? Are you really present? Because that's where I am. And that's where I want to be with you and meet with you. So the question, what's here now, it really came from starting to invite myself to practice presence, like to just ask myself, what's here now, Jeannie? Where are you? Where, where are you in your mind? Where are you in your heart? And where's your body even, you know, Jesus repeated the, the greatest commandment of love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I think that that commandment is an invitation to pay attention to what is happening in my heart, what is happening in my mind, what is happening in this body of mine. And when we pay attention to those things, we actually come back into the present moment. And we experience God, we experience aliveness with ourselves, and we experience connection with one another. We have that sense of belonging that God created us to live with. Yeah, that is so good. He is our God that does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. But if we're going to experience the fullness of the grace and the mercy and the love that he offers, we have to choose presence. Oh my yes. goodness. Yes. This yes. is such an important message. It's one that I have to share with you. I have been trying to get. 
I've been trying to get and same. I've been practicing it this year. So I feel as if this book has just been the cherry on the top and it's helped me to really put some missing links into place um, because I've always been the one that's always lived in the future, always rehearsed in the future. And we're going to get there because whoa, when you begin to talk about worry, I was just like, I can't, I can't, this is golden. <laughs> but we need to first talk about how we rehash the past because that was the first part of your book. And you named quite a few ways that we rehash the past. We can rehash the past through the blame, the shame, and then even the grief that we often encounter. So I particularly wanted to ask you, how do we break the cycle of blame? You know, here at The Best Kept Secret, we've been studying productivity tips from the Bible. And what we found is that helps us to prioritize the meaningful above the millions of other things that the world tells us we should be doing. And that can be rest, that can be time with family. And so as we prepare to head into the summer, it's my hope that our listeners wouldn't feel any sense of blame that will propel them to work out of this space that's unhealthy. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you didn't do that. You know, or, oh my gosh, if only so-and-so had done this for me, I would have been further. So how is it that we can really, you know, just break the cycle of blame? Yeah, I love that question. And, you know, all of these different ways that we rehash the past and you just listed a few of them, you know, blame, which is really directing personal responsibility to someone or something else. It, it's wanting to, to let go of a responsibility that we, we actually should hold and carry and process. That, that's really what blame is. It's like, oh, this doesn't feel good. I want to put this on somebody else, right? Um, or something else, you know, whether it's this person or I want to blame the traffic or I want to blame the headache that I have or I want to blame, you know, that, that this didn't go the way I wanted it to go. And that's a way we rehash the past. And and you mentioned a few others, shame, um, which is really self-hatred at my expense, um, unprocessed grief, that, that, that way that we hold a deep sorrow from a loss that we haven't allowed ourselves to process, bitterness, which is, is a form of unforgiveness, and then guilt, just that silent suffering from mistakes made. And, and I started the book with blame because what I realized is that for many of us, blame feels better than remorse. It, it feels more empowering to us. It feels like we've, um, we're stronger when we have blame versus when we actually need to practice contrition and we need to practice good remorse in our lives. And, and blame loves to give away responsibility of our actions to someone or something else. It allows us to kind of put the fault somewhere else by transferring responsibility. And I noticed in, in relationships, often we blame through accusation, we blame through humiliation even, we can blame through criticism, or um, we can do it on ourselves too. There, there's so many of us that, that blame ourselves. And, and it really is this like shifting of responsibility and wanting to get out of responsibility. Even, you know, you think about when it says in Jeremiah 17, nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. We can, we can even lie to ourselves through the avenue of blame, right? And asking the question, what's here now, is a way for us to notice and pay attention. Is there any blame going on in my mind, in my heart? Um, am, am, I, 
Am I really clear with what's going on inside of me? Am I ignoring any responsibility? Am I willing to get curious about this frustration that continues to float to the surface in this relationship or with myself? Am I willing to, to get even conscious about it too? Like oftentimes we lock ourselves up in past stories, right? And, and, and those stories that happened in the past are still replaying in our present day lives. And I often like to say, the past is a great place to learn from, but it's a terrible place to live in. You're not meant to live in your past. You're meant to learn the, the, the learnings that are there for us to learn, but we can't live there. And so often we're just blaming all these things that happened in our past and they're keeping us locked out of, of the present moment. And I think that the gift of, of getting honest with blame, you know, I, I, I tell a story in the book. I get, I think it was about seven years into our marriage live. My husband said to me, he's like, honey, I, I just, I've been thinking about our wedding and I've been thinking about, you know, that amazing day and all of our friends and our family and you looked so beautiful. And I, I'm thinking about our vows and I just, I'm not remembering the moment when I said, and I take you, Jeannie, to be my life coach. And I was like, ouch. <laughs> and the ouch was so real because it was so real. And, you know, I had realized that in many ways, this propensity to coach was also a propensity to not take responsibility over here in my life. And what I can coach and blame and put on somebody else, then I can ignore in my own life. And that was such a, you know, uh, an honest moment in our marriage and such a gift. I'm so glad he said it to me because what he was saying was, I want a wife. I want a partner. I, I want, I want this woman that I fell in love with, not somebody that's just going to blame and coach and tell me what to do throughout my life. I, I want to walk with somebody. And I think many times we blame because we're afraid of whatever responsibility we need to take some ownership over and, and take responsibility for our personal growth and, and walking with God in those things. It's, it's a lot easier to, you know, put it on somebody else than to actually take the responsibility in here. So I think that's so much of, of why we do it because we're afraid, you know, we're just afraid of what we might find. And yet the goodness of God is that our God is not a blaming God. Our God is a God of grace. Our God is a God of receiving us as we are over and over and over again. And so it's the enemy that comes to kill, steal, and destroy that is trying to keep us locked in these lies of blame. And it's, it's the abundance, goodness, grace of Jesus that says, I came to give life and life to the full to set you free from a life of blame. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. That is so rich. And it's one of the reasons that this chapter stuck out to me. It's one of those areas that I needed some additional help in, you know, every single chapter in this part was helpful. However, I had found, and y'all know, y'all already know I'm super transparent. Just don't put myself out there. <laughs> I 
found that I was blaming my husband even for some of the failure I felt, some of the lack of success I felt. I was using this old excuse. Well, he knew who I was when he married me. He knew how, you know, driven or how um, regimented my schedule was. And I almost felt as if it was this desire for spontaneity that was holding me back. And that couldn't have been further, further from the truth. My goodness. And it wasn't until, you know, I really began to research rest and then even learn how blame can really, really show up in a myriad of ways in our lives that I realized like, honey, actually he's trying to help you (laughs) because he's trying to help you find rest. He's trying to help you, you know, produce from a healthy place. He's trying. And so you really, really have to break that cycle of blame. I just appreciate your transparency. Absolutely. And, you know, it brings so much freedom into a relationship when you can name those things. I I talk about in this chapter about getting clear, getting curious and getting conscious and, and really waking up to, okay, where is this pattern coming from? And, and, and why do I have a propensity towards blame? And I think when we can get clear on those things and, and, and find some curiosity in our story, right? And it allows us to wake up and, and to be in the conscious light of, of God's love and, and have a knowing of, oh, this is why I'm doing this. I don't need to do this anymore. You know, that, that may have been a part of a past, you know, wound or a, a past experience, but that's not who I am today. And, and I can offer something different than blank. Yeah. Yeah. I can offer something different than blame. As you guys heard, there's so many other parts that Jeannie walks us through and how we really rehash the past, but I need you to go and get the book because every single chapter is going to bless you. As you moved from the ways that we rehash the past, you talk about how we rehearse the future. And oh my goodness, when you talked about worry and how it's a conscious choice to live in a future that is not as good as this present moment even, I was just like, wow, that is wild. Can you talk to us about the ways that we rehearse the future and once again, how to break this cycle so that we can focus on what's here now? Our conversation will be back in just a moment, but for now, I want to ask you to download Identifying Insecurity, three ways to cultivate more confidence through intentional soul care. It's the first devotional that I've had the opportunity to publish on the YouVersion Bible app. And it would mean so much to me if you clicked the link below. Now, let's get back into our conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, worry is, it's it's wild because it is living in a not yet that is worse than your now. You live in your mind, not yet. It hasn't happened yet, but you have made it worse than you're now. It's worse than the present moment. (laughs) And so many of us do this. So many of us do this. And I, I love how Jesus talks about it in one of the gospels where he compares the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And he's like, look, they're not worrying. 
Like these birds, they're flying with freedom and these flowers are growing with freedom and not a one of them is worried. Why are you so worried? And I think for many of us that living in the not yet that is worse than our now is because the volume is at such a high rate and speed in our lives. We're living at these rapid paces. We, we don't have any boundaries in our relationships. There is a s- excessive and unfiltered input that's just coming in at all times. And, and we, don't, we don't put healthy filters on how much input comes into us. And I, I think that for many of us, when the volume is so high, worry just takes over our minds and our hearts and our bodies. And Jesus regularly modeled, regularly modeled what it takes to turn the volume down. And and, and that's where we find the possibility for peace in our lives is when we practice slowness, when we practice silence, and when we practice solitude. You see Jesus doing it over and over and over again. When his when his schedule looked like it was rapid pace, he went away and practiced slowness. When there were all kinds of relationships around him and perhaps boundaries were pushed, right? He's healing, he's teaching, he's feeding. He went away and practiced silence. When, the, when there was constant input coming in, what did he do? He went and practiced solitude. And so we have in the life of Jesus, literally the example of what to do when worry comes, uh, you know, the amazing thing about worry is that you cannot experience joy and gratitude at the same time that you're experiencing worry. It's impossible. It's impossible to, to feel fully alive while you're also experiencing worry. And so when we are constantly rehearsing these futures that are not yet here, we're missing out on the present moment. And and we often do that through anxiety. We do that through stress. We do that through worry. And I think so many of the culprits for for me in particular are not honoring my limits. You know, limits are, are a gift from God. They're actually every limit on your life, your, your body and what your body is capable of doing and how long it is capable of staying away, your age, your financial limitations, your different relational limitations. Most of us look at them as a problem instead of a gift. And limitations are actually a gift to put some good barriers in our lives so that we can live at a pace that allows us to practice peace. So many of us, the reason we don't feel peace is because we're not practicing it in the present moment. And and our lives are just overflowing with worry and anxiety instead of overflowing with the present moment that peace can always be found in. All right, y'all. Just (laughs) (laughs) press rewind (laughs) and listen to that again. There were so many gems. Oh my goodness. Limitations are a gift. Limitations are a gift, sis. 
So this summer, let's truly just follow the Lord's example and begin to invite him to help us practice that slowness and that silence and that solitude, which is still very countercultural to this season that we are living in right now. But my goodness, I have just seen how it has paid off dividends in your life. And I'm so grateful for your Mm. mentorship in this moment. Absolutely. Well, I, I speak not from having figured it out. (laughs) People usually say that we write what we most need or we teach what we most need to be taught. And so I, I wrote a book that I needed. So I certainly do not show up here as the resident expert on slowness, silence, and solitude, but I'll I'll never forget a a spiritual mentor in my life early, early on in my journey, I was struggling with some things that I was really feeling anxiety and worry over. And I I asked to meet with her and I I drove over to her home and, and got into um, her house and um, walked into the living room and she lit a candle and we sat in silence for a few minutes. And she said, let's just be here with the Lord and live. We sat And we sat and we sat some more and I opened my eye at one point. I was like, are we still sitting? And we were still sitting in silence. She prayed the Lord's prayer. Tears started streaming down my face. She opened her eyes and she said, what do you think your tears are trying to say? And I said, I just feel like I've allowed worry to run my life. She said, Jeannie, you will never be able, you will never be able to live the life God has invited you to live if you don't start practicing slowness, silence, and solitude. She blew out the candle and I went home. That, that, was, that was our mentoring meeting. And, and here years later, I'm now telling you about it and, and telling all of your listeners about it. And, and there is something about giving ourselves the gift of a different pace, giving ourselves the gift of, of saying no, you know, no is a complete sentence. And so many of us live under obligation and no boundaries in our relationship. We say yes to everything because we think it's the right thing to do. We think it's the godly thing to do. It it is not, it is not. I'm, I'm here to say it is not. We need those limitations. We need to put some, some filters on all that is coming into our lives so that we can slow down and be with God, be with God and let the being of God flow out of our lives. And people will taste that kind of fruit. They really will, that they will see that there's something different in us because there's a different quality, right? There's a, there's a sense of contentment. It's the fruits of the spirit that are, are flowing out of who we are. And I, I just, I've never forgotten that moment because I was so overcome with worry. And what I needed was to slow down, sit in silence and practice the gift of, of solitude with, with Jesus, with myself, with, with just one other person in that moment. And it's always served as such a gift and a reminder to me that that's where God restores our soul. That's where God restores our soul. And I think that as we grow and mature in Christ and we get to be, you know, busy about doing his work, we forget how much joy there is in that place. Yes. So beautiful. And so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And it spills over onto our relationships, doesn't it? 
It does. It does. It does. I, you mentioned how you spoke about obligation. Y'all got to get this book. I am not ready to go there with you. Um, (laughs) I need to unpack that chapter with my therapist first. Um, (laughs) You've got to get this book, ladies. You know, as you moved into the third part, which was receiving the present, you spoke something uh, that just I mean, seriously, just really shifted a paradigm within me. You talked about the power of gratitude, which is something that I believe in immensely, but you showed a new light on it when you talked about how important it is because when those, you know, those lepers that were healed failed to return to the Lord, um, we learned that you can be healed and not be well. You can have resources, and I'm literally quoting from the book now, and not be well. You can have people around you and not be well. You can gain the world, lose your soul, and not be well. And so you share that what makes you well is the practice of gratitude. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I I love that you brought that up because when I first set out to to write the book, I, I thought that being in the present moment was just, you know, making, making yourself aware of what was happening in, in your heart, mind, and body. And then I started to realize that the practice of gratitude is what grounds us in the present moment. In that passage in Luke, where, as you just referenced, you know, Jesus heals the lepers, they all leave, but only one comes back to actually practice gratitude. And, and, and it doesn't mean that the others weren't grateful. We, we don't know, right? But only one did the practice of gratitude. Only one actually grounded themselves to say, I know that this was not where I was before I encountered a savior. And so I am going to come back and say, thank you. And, and it says that literally Jesus said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. And I realized that gratitude is what brings a sense of wellness. It helps us practice peace. It gives us a sense of perspective, right? We look at our situations differently. I talk a little bit about one of the ways that I I practiced it is just through, I I first look up in the morning and, and there's something about the sky, the sun, the clouds, even if it's a rainy day, um, I can see provision. I can see that God has gone before me, right? Then I, I look out and I can see my people and I can go, wow, look at, look at these people that I live with and that I love and that I call family and that are so dear to me. And then I look in and I can see all that God is doing inside of me. And I think like so many of us, we think that peaceful circumstances are what are going to create our gratitude. But I'm here to say that peaceful circumstances do not create gratitude. Gratitude is what creates peaceful circumstances. Because I imagine you and I both have many stories to tell of circumstances that we would not have chosen. Circumstances that if we were the solo writer of our lives, we would say, nope, not going into my plot. There's probably characters in our story that we would not have written into our story, right? And I think that so many of us have have tried to wait on our circumstances to be just right, to be just so, 
so that we can then experience gratitude. But gratitude comes for us when we actually practice it. And that's where peace starts to flow. Gratitude is what creates the peaceful circumstance. Even when you are in, a, in the midst of something that is so challenging, you can look up and you can see God is still here. God is still with me. You can look out. You can see this person loves me. This person is for me. And you can look in. And, and even if it's just there is breath in my lungs today, there is food in my refrigerator. I have a laptop that is working so I can talk to my new friend, Liv. You know, you can find something to be grateful for, even in the midst of a circumstance that you would not choose. And I have really found that gratitude is the antidote to anxiety. It's the antidote to anxiety. And it's that practice. And, and I think it is why Jesus said specifically, your faith, your gratitude is what has made you well. I touched your body. I healed you from leprosy. But your gratitude is what makes you well. And I think Jesus is, is whispering the same to all of us. Do you, you know, do you want to be well <laughs> is the question. And I think there's a resounding yes. I want to be well, I want to be well, but we cannot be well if we are unwilling to practice gratitude. And it shifts us, it puts us back into the present moment because when we're not grateful, we're usually rehashing the past or rehearsing the future. And we're not receiving what's here in this present moment. And so, yeah, I, I think that gratitude really is a, is a turn inside of our wellness journey of, of being people of peace. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Y'all, it is time to stop rehashing the past. It's time to stop rehearsing the future. It is time to start receiving the present. And you can do that this summer. You can do that. Go on and get this book. It's been a blessing in my life. I'm, this interview has been a blessing. Thank you so very much for your time. Oh, Liv, it was a delight to talk to you <laughs> and to all of your listeners. And I'm just so grateful for this conversation and for a new friendship with you. And I, I wrote this because my hope and my prayer is that this would really be of service and useful to the soul growth of people. And so my prayer is that people would be well, yeah. that they would experience the peace that passes understanding in this present moment. Awesome. Awesome. We received that. May I ask you a few super quick questions? Yes. Where you head out. This is the best kept secret. We want you to let us in on a few secrets. They may not be secrets. They rarely are. But <laughs> we like to call it that. <laughs> wow. How do you actually um, practice that slowness? What is one reminder that you keep within your space or something that really helps you to intentionally slow down? Yeah, this is a very silly, but it's one, it's one of my secrets. I intentionally park further away so that I, I am, I'm so rapid paced. I want to get things done. I'm a productivity machine sometimes. And I have to intentionally put myself into settings where I will take longer to get there. 
So when I go to Target, park further away to just walk in so that I have intention with my with myself and, and with breathing for a minute. Um, I try to I try to walk wherever I can. Um, obviously I live in Chicago and so you know it's a walkable city, but there's something about intentionally walking to places instead of just fast, you know, move from here to there um, and be a productivity machine. That has helped me slow down. So I'm a walker. I, I love it. That is a new one. I am going to try that. <laughs> what is one book other than what's here now that you're recommending? Um, I just finished reading. I think I haven't learned that yet by Shauna Nequist. It is fabulous. Shauna actually wrote the foreword to what's here now. She's a dear friend. Um, and it's just a fantastic, fantastic book. So I would highly recommend it. And last one is, do you have a, uh, an app that you would recommend? I do actually. Uh, and it is the app that I first started using with this question. It's called mind jogger, M I N D J O G G E R. It's, it's not about actually jogging and running. It's about your mind remembering things and you can download the app mind jogger and you can type in anything you want for it to say to you. So, I mean, you could type in, Hey, you look beautiful today. And it goes off, you know, however many times you want it to go off. And I typed in the question, what's here now. And it is just a little way to bring about a serendipitous interruption into my day. And I made this agreement with God that whenever it pops up on my phone, and if I see it, if my phone is right there, that I'll just pause, I'll breathe. And I'll ask myself, what's here now? What, what, what are you sensing in your body? What are you feeling in your heart? What are you thinking in your mind? And can, can you come back to the present moment? So good. I downloaded that app and I'm going I love to it. link it below. <laughs> I love it. I love it. As we just prepare to close, would you tell everyone where they can find you and might you be able to pray us out? I would love that. Yeah. You can find me on uh, my different social channels. So I'm Jeannie Stevens on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my website is geniestevens.com. You can find links to the book there. You can get the book anywhere, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, all, all those different places. But if you want to interact with me on a regular basis, just go to geniestevens.com or on any of the social channels. And I would absolutely love to pray for you, Liv, and for your listeners right now. Well, Jesus, thank you that you are... You are always present. God, we thank you that you tell us that you are our ever-present help in trouble. And for anyone that is listening right now that is walking through a season of struggle, anyone that's listening right now that is maybe feeling some of these tensions where we rehash the past and they're they're feeling themselves stuck with some blame or shame or, or maybe they're rehearsing the future with worry or trying to control things. God, would you remind us that you are ever present, that you're ever present, that you are here, that you are with us, that you are for us, that you are good and that you, you were in our past and you will be in our future. But in this moment, God, we get to experience your goodness. And so I pray that you would make us people that practice your presence. And God, that that would flow into our relationships, that people would experience your goodness through our lives, God. 
And I pray for Liv and I pray for all that she is doing. God, thank you for this beautiful podcast. I pray that you would do exceedingly more, abundantly more in her and through this podcast, God. For every person listening today, I pray your peace that passes all understanding over our lives. We love you so much, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen and amen. I am so excited about what God is doing in your life, and I would be honored to hear which part of this show resonated with your heart. Make sure that you take a screenshot of this podcast and tag me at CandidLive on Instagram. It would be so nice to connect with you and even feature you right here on the show. Until then, know that I am praying for you. I know that you're praying for me too. Love you.